Welcome to the Grit and Grace space. Come along as we explore experiences, cultivate community, and grow our appetite for adventure. Here we go. Welcome back to episode 13. I am racing against the clock to have this edited and published before the clock strikes 12 on Monday so that we can continue on with the theme of never miss a Monday. This has been a completely wild week of working through our strategy midterm paper that was due on Sunday and all of the other various assignments and tasks that we had. Alexander and I sat down on Monday in between work and our accounting lecture and walked through the next segment of the series we are doing on the for men only and for women only books. So without further ado, I will get into the good stuff. Thank you for coming back week after week, and I hope you enjoy. I was looking at like, and Danielle sounds like a mixer. I'm like, maybe you need a mixer. I know, maybe we get a mixer. Maybe that can be our Christmas no. present to each other. Oh, there's... You figure out how to do two tracks in GarageBand with two different mics, and they'll talk about a mixer. Can you teach me? No. YouTube. What the audience doesn't know is Alexander is an excellent teacher. I'm okay. Excellent. I mean, I have to know how to do it first. I don't understand the point of me learning how to do it just to tell you how to do it when you could just go figure it out yourself. Because I think you can learn how to do it and teach me faster than I can learn how to do it. Yeah, but that's... Is that a different class than normal? No. Alexander is accompanying us today with some whiskey, so we are ready to go. Hello, everybody. Today, we are going to talk through the second session in our series, walking through for men only and for women only. If you haven't had a chance to listen to... The last podcast, we went through the first session, and Alexander and I have been doing midterms all week, and I haven't had a chance to interview a different guest, so <laughs> you're stuck with us. And Alexander has lovingly, reluctantly agreed to join. you got to keep your side of the bargain, though. What's my side of the bargain? We'll talk about that when we get to a chapter later on in the book, ladies and gentlemen. For now, we are on chapter three. Chapter two, I guess. Chapter one was nothing last time we did chapter two. So this is technically chapter three in the book, but number two of the series. All right. What was the, what was your chapter called? Windows open. Ooh, I love this one. Mine was performance of a lifetime, talking about why your Mr. Smooth looks so impressive but feels like an imposter, hmm. which you didn't highlight very much in this book. And you didn't highlight much in this one either. That's interesting. Maybe it was a bad night or something. Yeah, but I feel like when we, I could be misremembering, but I feel like when we talked about this, you, your feedback was you couldn't relate with a lot of it. So it'll be interesting to go through this. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I think maybe the reason I didn't highlight in the chapter for you is that if I did highlight, it would have just been like the whole chapter highlighted. I mean, the chapter's pretty straightforward, so I don't know that, like, I don't know. You had a little bit. It was fine. It's... So give us a overview of what your chapter talked about. My chapter, and I kind of forgot about this chapter, is it about, like, women typically have lots of things going on. Let's talk about how, like, on a computer you have multiple windows open, lots of multi multitasking is not a good word for it, because that would maybe sort of insinuate that you can just, like, stop. But, yeah, you have lots going on in your head, and 
old emotions come up often and it's like tough so yeah i'd forgotten about that challenge yeah so i guess reading back through it and reflecting on our interacting interactions in general or like i was texting you this morning how i just tend to feel big feelings my like i guess range of emotion is pretty large like high highs and low lows sort of deal so I guess before we get into things that might have been highlighted, what was your thought on what you read with respect to our relationship or me in general or other women you might know? I don't know any other women. <laughs> I realized I phrased that a little weird, but it was too late. It came out of my mouth already. It was weird. I think I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> the best thing is is like maybe a discussion or a fight that happened like days ago and it might still be on your mind. I think it's just something to keep in mind. Typically men like move on and like we're very we're more secure in the relationship, kind of building on what we talked about last week. But women are not necessarily secure and those thoughts are still in their mind. They might want to talk about it. It might influence something happening now. So I think that's the main takeaway message thing to think about. Isn't that what you asked? What did you ask? How does um, it relate? My question was, as you read through the book and reflect on our relationship, what sticks out to you about our relationship? I just think like you're really emotional. And this chapter doesn't really address that, like that you're really that you're emotional, but it makes sense. It's like consistent with the fact that you're emotional and it's tough. It's hard to relate. At times, it's like draining. Can it be draining? I'm just a drag. <laughs> I mean, it's just like something that maybe not all men are good at, and then you've got to like be comforting and all this stuff, and it's it's a lot. Yeah, I think you and I are very opposite in that way, though. Like, I think they're like on a spectrum. You would be on the totally different end of the spectrum as far as like range of emotion like that I don't mean that negatively and and I know that when you say that I'm emotional you don't necessarily mean that negatively you might feel differently I don't know you tell me but I think there are other men and women that could be closer to the middle than either of us are when it comes to emotion Mm -hmm. like I know we have guy friends who are maybe more closer to having like a wider range of emotion and we have girlfriends who are more chill so i think this maybe is more extreme in our relationship because we're so different in this way well average to slightly less emotional like on a five is average for men or for women or everybody yeah for like for men like compared to like male friends i feel like Mm -hmm. i feel like if Five is average for a male, and ten is unemotional. I'm like a seven. Yeah. You know, like not like not that far off center, seven and a half. But I feel like whenever you do get around your friends, or like whenever you're texting your your group, you like get you crack up. It's you get like pretty. I don't know. It's funny. You think you think emotional doesn't mean I can't have humor. Humor is universal. <laughs> humor is outside of emotion. Yeah, that's different. I think like happy, sad. Happy, sad. Okay. So specifying when we talk about range of emotion, we talk about happy, sad, mm-hmm. not humor. Not funny. What's the opposite of funny? Annoying. <laughs> Silent. <laughs> I like a good humor. Yeah. I get so excited when I do something that you think is funny. And I, I know your dad feels that way, too. That's, like, your dad's favorite thing in life is getting you to laugh. And when he gets you going, you just, like, can't stop. It, it's not just laughing. It's laughing uncontrollably. Uncontrollably. On the floor laughing. Yeah. It happens a couple times a year. And it's so good. It's like a, like a sneeze. You just, like, can't stop yeah. it or something. I don't one of those in a minute, I think. We should uh, call him up. He can be... A third. And it's kind of like everything's got to be right. Like the joke has got to be good. The timing. I've got to think it's funny. Like the whole thing has got to be just perfect. Can you think of 
Like the last time he made you laugh really hard? I don't know, probably the last time. When he I, came to visit during Easter. Yeah. Well, and he came to visit a couple weeks ago. I had ago. a good laugh when he was here for Easter. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I don't remember what it was about. But I remember he, he got me for a minute. It wasn't like full-on debilitating, but it was pretty good. It was It was good. You got into like the silent laughter mode where you, like somebody's laughing but no sound is coming out. That's because of the air. I'm, I'm out of air in my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he got me then pretty good. But he was here so quick last time that it was hard to hard to do. Anyway. Where do you think you get your humor from? I think I get it mostly from him because he was always joking with people. He would always engage. It was like the opposite of me. Like I was conservative, like first child, like follow the rules. And he was not that way. Like he was in the military and like cut up a bunch, I think. And so we, we would go places together just checking out the grocery store and he would just make small talk and it was always so uncomfortable for me. But he would always joke with them and it wasn't just like, hey, how are you? It would be like, oh, I don't know what. Ridiculous things. Like people have like red hair. He's like, oh, like, is that your, or purple hair? Is that your natural hair color? Just like, uh, it's just as a kid, it was so embarrassing. But I think other things too. Like he has a good sense of humor overall. I think I, I think I think that's funny. I don't know what else I think is funny. I think lots of things are funny. But Except for me. Who'd you get your sense of humor from? Uh, I got my sense of humor from my mom, probably, but she also has a very unique sense of humor. And so I think she's hilarious. You do think she's funny. But I think other people might think she's less funny than I think she is. And so that would translate to why not a lot of people think I'm funny, but I think I'm funny. She's funny, but she's almost, like, too smart. Like, you know, I don't know. Not that she's too smart, but, like, she connects a lot of things that other people, like, wouldn't connect, maybe. Yeah. And so it's, like, she'll make some joke, and I'm, like, I didn't understand half the words in your punchline, you know? Maybe tough to hang on with her You told me once that you think my mom is, like, the smartest person ever. I think she's wicked smart. I don't know, like, ever, but I think she knows a fair amount about a lot. Yeah. Which is, like, pretty impressive. She can hang in most conversations, which is crazy. Yeah. That's like, what Usha encouraged us to do is be, like, well-read isn't the phrase that I'm looking for, but... Oh, that's kind of what she said. Yeah. Up, up on knowledge and, like, current things happening. Yeah. Because you can be sophisticated and, like, and if you're in the C-suite, <laughs> darling. But my mom, like, deep dives into like recreating a 1400s home in France and like what the castle was like and how they did the plumbing. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's a lot. I think she consumes a lot of, a lot of good content. Mm hmm. Anyway. Anyway, so back to the windows being open in the brain, what were some of the things that I guess I had highlighted? I mean, use emotions from experiences in the recent or even distant past sometimes rise up in their minds. Mm-hmm. I can't relate to that. So that was interesting. Mm, flipping. He didn't have a lot. I mean, it was pretty self First of all, like stewing over an old argument. Things like that. I don't know. You didn't have that much. Not a lot here to work with. She may be, she may not be holding on to a grudge, but actually trying to process it so she can resolve it. Close the window and let it go. Yeah. I think you're less, like, grudgy. I don't know. I don't think I necessarily hold grudges. I think I'm a very judgmental person, but I don't think that translates into holding grudges. But I do think that I will replay an interaction, like, over and over and over again to think, like, what did that person think of it? What do they think of me as a result of that? What? How does that change, you know, what they thought of me before that. And so I guess it, you don't do that. Not much. Maybe a little bit. You know, like I leave a conversation and be like, did that help? go how I wanted it to go? And then if it didn't, like what could I have said? And then I'll sort of just move on. I think it's done. Yeah. I wonder if that's why I have like, to... a ton of nightmares that recall traumatic yeah. events that try to sort out. Yeah, I don't know. 
you do have a lot of nightmare situations. Yeah. Yeah, I don't worry. I don't know. I'm trying to worry less about what people think. I think it, it could be good to get feedback from people about you could do this better, you could do that better, but also I think I don't know. We should pull up the leader levels as a part of the discussion. I think that's really interesting. Do it later. We gotta study it up and stuff and I think we, don't we, want could... to make, we want Carl to be proud of us if he listens to the pod. Okay, so I team I still think we can get this done in this podcast since we're only fourteen minutes into and we have uh, can just be a short one this week. You've got to talk about go. your whole thing. That'll be ten minutes of that and we'll be be set. And I guess I gotta finish reading the Ferrari case. What happens with the split and the shares and the IPO? It'll be fine. I don't think they're gonna be fine. They're in trouble. Well their we Formula will... One team is bad. We're talking out of context. So Professor Carl is our leadership leading people and organizations professor and he one of the first classes that we had and it might have been the first class we talked about what different leader levels are and how different levels of leaders lead or conduct themselves or interact differently and it's a really interesting way to sort of quantify what is it when you see a great leader you know it you can feel it you can sort of emulate it in a sense, but it's really hard tangibly to put words to what is it that makes them so great. And what this like outline shows us is the tangible things that do make somebody so great or things to consider or I guess fundamental attitudes or like perspectives that a leader level five might have versus a leader level two or three. And we'll come back to that. The other piece of context about Ferrari is our accounting class. We've gone through, I guess, all of the upfront, deep numbers parts of accounting. And the second half of the course, we our sub-teams, our mini-teams uh, within our cohort, each are assigned a business case. And through different classes, we're presenting on our business case. So tonight we... Does a class and team have Ferrari? Yeah. She's going to talk about it. No, no, no. There's oh. a team that's going to talk about Ferrari and whatever. I don't know. Well, I haven't read it. I think it's zero points in participation. You'll be fine. You watched that movie. You know all about Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And you watch Formula One. It's about one. Ford versus Ferrari. And this is from 2005. It's about stock splits and you, stock you, dividends. Yeah, but you fundamentally know more about the industry. I know about, I know, yeah, I know a little bit about the company, which helps. Yeah. Interesting business case so far. I'd How did you get it. into Formula One? Tony. Ah, you should tell that story. Tony, someone on the capital team, likes Formula One. Okay, maybe it goes back further than that. On Netflix, disclosure. Hans. You don't own any stock in Netflix? You sure? No, I don't think I do. Mm. It's okay. So on Netflix, there's something called Drive to Survive. Really good really well done um they fall around a formula one team so i'd seen two seasons do they follow the same team each year no they do one team per episode oh yeah per season anyway ish i think anyway so tony someone i work with also watches you hired tony yeah we'll have to get it. it doesn't matter alexander hired tony tony's and great and is trying to connect with him and discover that tony likes formula one and he's a big ferrari fan yeah. From like back in the day when I guess Ferrari was good. good and then Mercedes was good and now Red Bull is good. Ferrari's okay. They're pretty good. I was joking. They're not bad. But yeah, so I try and watch it, but the problem is it's like Sunday morning at all kind of awkward times and I haven't had time. So, but the race is only two hours. It's like literally time. Like you can't go longer than two hours. They call mm-hmm. it. There's like whoever's in first and two hours wins. That's crazy. So it's not even whoever's completed laps. No, it's, it's just like it's laps, it's laps first. A snapshot of the board. No, it's laps first. So like whoever okay. first to 74 laps or whatever the distance is or whatever it is. Or if time runs out. Oh, okay. So if everybody completes 74 in an hour and a half, then the race is over. Yeah. Okay. But if they don't, if they're at like 70 laps. Mm-hmm. You would just like take a snapshot of the road and like for a second, third. Yeah, they like the bag goes the last lap. Mm. They'll just like make it the last lap or something. I don't think I've ever seen that. Kind of sounds like, like, 
toddler baseball when they're <laughs> taking forever and they're like, all right, well, whoever hits the next one. Yeah, it's nice, though, because it's only limited to two hours. And there's no commercials, so it's like it's Ooh. a very fixed amount of time. Yeah, the no commercial thing is big. It's pretty sick. And... Why do you think they do that? Because they have enough money they don't need Yeah, they have sponsors and stuff. And it's like the race is happening. You can't just like stop the race. Yeah. But NASCAR does it. But they have to do a picture-picture sometimes. I don't really know. But they do it for several reasons. Because it could drag on forever. And also, like, that means there's more gas in the cars and more tire changes. And like, I think it's more logistics. So they try and keep it efficient. Yeah. Anyway, I enjoy watching it at times. But don't time. Yeah, the last thing I'll say on the chapter about the windows open, a way that resonates with me to describe to people sometimes how I'm feeling is, like, imagine a bookshelf up against a wall that has all of the books and say you have, like, 100 books in your collection and they're all alphabetized or maybe sorted by color and they're just pristine up, neatly ordered in the bookshelf. That is, like an ideal world that hardly ever, ever happens. What I envision is the bookshelf got knocked over and all the books are like scattered everywhere. It's like when you play uh, Cowboys and Indians with a card deck and you have to pick up each book individually and put it back on the shelf. And like, that's how I organize my mind. And so what I feel really scatterbrained or, Sometimes it happens when I go through, like, a season of depression or, like, a low low. It just feels like I have so many windows open or, like, scattered books on the floor that I have to, like, pick up and one by one put back in place in order for me to, like, be able to function, which it sounds dramatic and sometimes it is pretty bad and sometimes it's not as bad, but I think it's interesting that you don't, can't really resonate, I guess, with what that feels like does not resonate with me at all whatsoever you think like a then b then c and you're never concerned what a is doing i don't know you'd give me an example i don't know like with school going on and work and like the next time you're gonna hang out with whomever like you don't think about those things all at once no that must be nice i want to hear in the comments ladies and gentlemen if you resonate with alexander or myself or neither can they comment on Spotify? Yeah. You can put a poll on Spotify. They can comment on Apple. Mm. That's like on the podcast as a whole, not the episode specifically. No, you can do it in the episode. Mm. Okay. Just checking. Alexander be doubting my engagement. Okay, so chapter three for the four women only book was called, again, The Performance of a Lifetime and talks about how despite their, quote, in-control exterior, men often feel like imposters and are insecure that their inadequacies will be discovered. So I'll just jump into something that you highlighted. I'm going to read the whole paragraph, but you highlighted the specific question, do I measure up? So the paragraph reads, just as the heart cry of a woman tends to be, am I lovable? The secret heart cry of a man is, do I measure up? And he is looking to those around him, especially the woman who knows him best, for clues to how to answer that question. So open up a little bit about that. Like, does that still resonate with you today? Is that something that you takes up a lot of your brain space? Or, like, where are you with that? I don't know. That doesn't really bother me. Really? Do you want professionally? Yeah, I guess professionally or, like, amongst your peers. I mean, I think everybody's so different. Like, I don't know. It's all kind of murky. So we met friends, well, we would like them to be friends, but they're busy and we're busy and we haven't really gotten to hang out a lot. But earlier of last summer or, like, early or this summer, we had, like, a pool day with a couple who were both dentists and you sort of shared that after like hanging out that's you, true yeah so talk about that a little bit well it's just like you know, it's, it's i think it's like a comparison thing yeah so i gotta show them if we can keep up with these people you know they're both dentists it's gonna be like a lot 
I just don't know if I want to be like constantly comparing myself to them. Myself. It was more about that, I think, than anything else. It wasn't that they were better than me, but like, you know, dual income dentist, like that's going to be a lot to like manage, you know? I care about their trips all the time, probably, and like nice cars. It's just like, uh, I don't know, right? Nothing about them. It's just like, I don't know if they're in our, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Make sense? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, like, what do you mean specifically? You're asking a generic question. So I guess we have tons of friends who are successful. That's true. I just didn't, I, I don't know. I didn't want to be comparing myself to them, myself to them. Do you find yourself comparing No. to people in your life right now? No. So why do you think that? You would compare yourself to maybe them if we became closer friends versus friends that we have today. Oh, I just do. Just feel like don't want to do stuff. Don't want to go out to dinner and it'll be a hundred and fifty bucks and they'll be like, "Oh, it's fine." And we're like, "Oh, I don't know, a little steep." Mm-hmm. You just, like people have they're gonna have to like adjust down to us every time we hang out. Mm. It's just like exhausting. Versus like other people are closer in in earnings. You know, it's not just about that, but. It's a factor like they pulled up in some like expensive suv i'm like like here we go you know so it's just not how i roll you know yeah i'm trying to think i had similar feelings of what you're describing in college where you know you're surrounded by so many different people and like growing up we were we just didn't have not that we didn't have nice things we just didn't we weren't trendy with Abercrombie jeans. We didn't have, like, I didn't have a new car. Like, I had a 10-year-old car going to college, and which I loved, and it was fantastic. But it was really eye-opening to be surrounded by people from different, I guess, walks of life. And I did find myself sort of... It was just kind of a bummer, I guess, is the best way to describe it. When somebody gets, like, a cute new pair of riding boots and when the wintertime comes and you don't, like, have the same outfit you had for, like, the last three years. Maybe that's extreme, but it's just kind of a bummer to not really be in a position to keep up. But also, I guess, going back to what we talked about at church on Sunday, like, it's not about that. But, and logically, I guess you can know that that's true, but emotionally it's hard to, like, quiet those feelings. I think that's, yeah, that's good. It's a good way of explaining it, I think. So something else you highlighted in this section was, not surprisingly, men said they judge themselves and feel that others judge them based on the happiness and respect of their wives. I highlighted that? Yes. I think at the time, maybe you weren't as happy, and I think also there's situations where you like be somewhere with people, and if your wife is like nagging you, it's like really embarrassing. You know, like this isn't the place for like a public resolution to a problem, you know? So I think it's embarrassing for sure. Do you think that we've ever had to, like, work through that? Do you I'm recall? Sure. I, I think there have been times where it's been like, now's not the time. I can remember a time when we looked at each other and then we both mutually knew, like, now's not the time. It's like we stopped. Ooh, talk about that. I, I don't remember, remember when it was. Does, but I know it happened for sure. Because I remember. I was Say like, it. I was like, I don't remember the time. I just know it happened. And I and I know we both were like, mm. I was like, now's not the time. You know? And so we got our crap together and we left and then it probably was fine. But it just like wasn't the time. It's just embarrassing sometimes. Oh, for sure. It's also embarrassing to be around other people who, you know, air their qualms in public. Yeah, I think if it, it depends. But yeah, if you're with, if you're at a party or it's a bigger group, it's like, it's okay to like, disagree but it's not okay to be like have have an all-out argument yeah i don't think like 
it is interesting to go back and see what was highlighted, you know, three years ago and three and a half years ago. And I guess reflect along the way of like what our relationship looks like today. And again, not like not trying to say it's like perfect or like the best relationship ever, but it is interesting to see a lot of the things that sort of got at us then and how I guess all of these things just seem like less severe today and in a sense. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is like between now and looking forward three years from now, something that you would like to see different or, you know, you wish we approach differently together individually? I, I think at times you're kind of like, you can be a stubborn is not the right word, but like set in your ways. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes you can't like step, you can't look at the bigger picture. And I wish sometimes you could look at the bigger picture. Do you have an example? <laughs> I think Marie's a good example. I don't, Ooh, talk about, yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, it, the short version is that you were determined to go here. And it's been a really good experience so far. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it was non-negotiable is problematic. And there are often things with you that are non-negotiable. For really no reason. you have another example? Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> but there tend to be things that are non-negotiable. I can't think of a good one. Yeah. So, I mean, you had like a meltdown in February because I didn't go on a trip. And you're like, we have to go somewhere now. It's like non-negotiable. I was also depressed. Huh? So, but we didn't. We didn't end up going anywhere. And... We made it. Everything was fine. Everything was fine. Crazy. But we both agreed I agree. Yeah, I agree. it was a bad idea not to go anywhere. Definitely. But I'm just saying... You know, sometimes you're like, we have to because I say we have to. It's like just not a good reason. Well, I can't. So last episode we talked about how women <laughs> can articulate their feelings maybe in the moment. And men like have to process internally before they can verbalize. And sometimes I fall into that category of not being able to verbalize what I'm processing. And so sometimes when I feel big feelings and I can't put words to them, I just say... You just give ultimatums. We must. No, I don't give ultimatums. Yeah, but you do say we must. <laughs> yeah, there is no ultimatum. It's just like we're, we have to go do it. <laughs> There's no or else. <laughs> anyway, so... Yeah. That, I think opportunity there. That's just a you thing, though. I'm just like, kind of picking on you. But I think we do a good job. We make most decisions together. As long as they're not, as long as I'm not being told, I think it's good. I think we're in a good spot. <laughs> Everything's good. Alexander's done with his whiskey for the audience. It's done like 20 minutes ago. Something else you highlighted here was affirmation is everything. When a man is affirmed, he can conquer the world. I don't think about affirmation here. I understand what the word affirmation is, like, but. So I'll read the whole paragraph and tell me if that helps. Okay. Flattery is simply a seductive counterfeit for affirmation. As one marriage counselor told me, affirmation is everything. When a man is affirmed, he can conquer the world. When he's not, he's sapped of his confidence and even his feeling of manhood. And believe me, he will continuously or uncontinuously seek out places where he receives affirmation i don't know i mean i think everybody not everybody people want to be rewarded and affirmed in different ways i think but i mean it's good like words of encouragement are good i think if yeah if you want to work every day for like months and no one ever told you they appreciated you or that you were doing a good job or you never saw any fruits of your labor like it would be impossible to go on but i think that's everybody right like could yeah, you just I think so too. like work away at something and never have a single peer or manager be like this was good like it doesn't have to be anything groundbreaking but like that was a nice slide like something yeah people That'd be brutal. on the internet often mm. give millennials a hard time for needing like i guess a disrupt 
disproportional amount of affirmation than maybe the generation before us or boomers. I think everybody wants to feel appreciated and have affirmation. Like, do you think that younger people are maybe just more vocal about it? I don't know. You're not really giving me much think, to work with here. <laughs> I think verbal affirmation is one thing. I think there's a lot of different ways. People, like, for example, some people want to be told one-on-one that they're doing a job, and some yeah. people want to be told in a group setting doing a job, some people just want to get paid. It's just different. So affirmation is kind of like... I want all of them. Yeah, yeah. Big emotions. <laughs> That's like a, when you ask your sister what her love language is, and she says all of them. I want all of that. Did she say that? Yeah. That's funny. I asked her recently even. She's like, They're all, of, all of them are my love languages. I want them all. She's a trip. The next thing you talked about is, obviously, obviously, if many of our men spend their working days feeling like they're always being watched and judged, it's no wonder that they want to come home to a totally accepting environment where they can safely let their guard down. That's true. There's like nothing worse, I think, than... And nothing worse, but like working all day and then coming home, and it's like, will you put the dishes from the dishwasher? <laughs> I cannot, I cannot. I'm giving a hundred percent for eight hours or ten hours or whatever it's been. Like I cooked you rice this weekend. That was very nice. The rice was delicious. Had half of the lunch. I have another half for tomorrow. Well, good because you only made four lunches and there's five days in a week. So yeah. I found household tasks. Exhausting. Why? I don't know. I can do ridiculous things at work all the time, but household stuff is just like... But wiping down the counter is just depleting. The dishwasher feels like an eternity to unload. It's really like, if you time it, it's like three minutes. (laughs) But it feels like it's forever. (laughs) I really hate it. It's like the Seinfeld skit about when... Your mom goes to the fabric store. Exactly. You're just like dying, like you're melting into the ground or something. Yes. Is that how you feel? Yeah, but worse. So something I realized a long time ago, and I've never said it, but... Oh, gosh. When you vacuum the floor versus when I vacuum... It's the same. takes me probably a, a solid 20 minutes to vacuum our 1,600-square-foot house. How many? 20 minutes? Yeah. For you, it takes like eight. Yeah. And I don't understand. You just got to push the vacuum faster. (laughs) It's very simple math. (laughs) If you have to cover a certain amount of square footage, just the faster you go, that's... I feel as though... Do you think the vacuum has a certain rate? If you go certain... If you think if you go like three meters per second, it can't suck all the stuff up because you're going too fast. Yes. I think we should do an experiment where... It's a fair... It's a valid concern. I do wonder about that. Where we both start with an empty, like, bucket, and Mm -hmm. you vacuum one week, and then I vacuum the next week and see how much dirt is in the bucket. It's not a controlled experiment. You have to run it, like, for... How would you like to run it? You take a certain amount of dirt from the outside, and you bring it inside. (laughs) Oh, my worst my worst nightmare. That's when you talk about the dishes way. being taken in eternity. It's the only way to do it. The equivalent for me is vacuuming. Or take, or take the vacuum outside with a rug sample. And then bringing Disco back inside and like two hours later having like little leaves all over the place. This is what you wanted. This is what you asked for. I know. You I actually demanded so it. I didn't demand it. We agreed on it. You just, okay, your bet was that we wouldn't get into grad school, and my bet was that we How would. How did I lose that freaking bet? Worst bet ever. You know, like. Now you're paying for private education with the most perfect Aussie doodle that has ever existed. She was terrible today. I don't know what you're talking about. How can you say that? She was terrible today. She'd be a pain in the booty. Lies. It's all that food I've been feeding her. Raw food. Next yeah. Week. We can talk about it now. Alexander wanted to put disco on a raw food diet. Did it? Conceit, thought about it, and did it. Well, it Boom. wasn't. It wasn't that executed. In, in terms of execution, it was a little bit of a more drawn out timeline. No, it's fine. I switched over within one week of being like, we should do this. No, no, no. It was like a, like a month. You're She's like, so happy. I think we should put her on raw food, and I was like, okay, do it. And then two weeks later, I'm like, are you going to do it? We're running out of kibble. Wait, yeah, wait until kind of, we almost got close to running out. Yeah. So why did you think that she needed to have raw food? Because she hated her kibble. 
She hated it. She was like bored of food. She couldn't stand it. And I think it is better for her. Like I think that raw food seems right. Like if you're going for the least processed option that isn't like raw ground beef or raw chicken, like yeah, the least processed thing. So it just made sense to me. I think I don't really know. She seemed happy. She was way hungrier. She's eating a million times more than she was before. Not getting any fatter, which is interesting. But she's eating like that makes me think she has a tapeworm. She's eating like forty-five ounces of food a day. That's crazy. Three meals of fifteen ounces a meal. That's one ounce per pound. Is that right? That's yeah. But they say on the top end, you should feed them 5% of their body weight. And we're feeding her like 10% of her body weight. Sheesh. <laughs> but she's not getting any bigger. She's a growing, I know. She probably has like a tapeworm. I don't think she has a tapeworm. Anyway, so she loves, she loves it so much. We feed her right now nine ounces of 93.7. Ground beef. Ground beef. Like three ounces of chicken. Chicken gizzards. Chicken gizzards, which yeah. are cheap. So we got to balance out the cost per ounce thing. Like two, two, uh, three ounces of those maybe. So I guess this is 12 ounces. And then we give her about two ounces of broccoli and then an egg. And then we're going to reintroduce fish, but we had a little incident. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, like 15 ounces a meal. So she ate three of those today, right? I know. Three whole ones. She probably could eat another one. She probably would. It's crazy. Her. I, I think we keep feeding her that much until she gets so she gains weight, then we'll stop. Then we'll, like, yeah. dial it back. But, but her, like, prey drive has gone through the roof. I mean, also the squirrels are just mad right now. So it's, like, peak squirrel season. They're saving up for hibernation or whatever. So and she's, the deer coming out. She's obsessed with the deer. I'm pretty sure that's why she's been terrible today. It's, like, she didn't sleep last night because she was looking out the window all night <laughs> at the deer. the deer. I, th- I swear, I came out in the kitchen this morning and her head is on the ledge, like sleeping with her head looking out the window. She wasn't sleeping. I know. She was watching the freaking deer. No, she's crazy. I don't know. I don't know. I think she has been more prairie drivey, but I don't know that it's correlated with the food because of the change in seasons. It's like tricky too. Yeah. But she's doing great. I think she also just generally probably has more energy and like a lot of energy. maybe less brain fog and like I don't know maybe we're jumping to conclusions. I think she here. has way more energy. Well, at first she was in a food coma. Yeah, that was like, kind of funny. When she first started eating it, like same girlfriend. Yeah, she would eat it and then she would pass out for like two hours. And we're like, this is great. <laughs> but I think now she's figured out how to process it. So now she's like got a lot of energy. Yeah. She usually eats and wants to go out immediately. What do you think the percent breakdown is of dogs with raw food diets? Like 1%? Oh. Less than 1%? Less than 1%. Leave what us a think? comment of what you feed your dogs. It's got to be less than 1%. Yeah. Because it's a lot of dogs. How many dogs do you think there are in the U.S.? Ugh, a billion. You think it's more than people? Yeah. Really? I don't know. Let's look it up. I think it's... Less. You think there's less dogs than people in the United States? But there's, I bet it's like 150 million or something. Ooh, do you think there's more dogs? How's the data even available? You think there's more dogs available for adoption or more people available for adoption? That's a scary stat. I don't think about that. 89 million. That's Ooh, I was close. close. Oh, wait, no. You never said, mind. You said it was three times <laughs> this number. That's in 2017. That's way higher now because of COVID. Nah, all the dogs got adopted in COVID. No. Dog ownership stats. 38.4% of American households own a dog. Oh, that's way lower than what I thought it would be. 76 million. What? As of 2018. That's way lower. That's a 2023 article. Hmm. So they don't know. The internet doesn't know. Somewhere between 76 million and 89 million. But I bet it's really high right now because of COVID. Could you please pull up the leadership levels really quickly? It's a COVID. You got to bleep it out because of after the pandemic. I think there's like nobody who listens to the podcast right now. And I think it probably will be fine. That's right. If it was on YouTube, you'd have to bleep it. Hot take. 
Love a good hot take. What other hot takes do you have? I mean, they're good hot takes. Can you please pull up the leader levels? No. Please? No. We talked about it earlier. No, pulling up leader levels. Then I'll do it. Okay, so we are going to round it out with a short discussion on leader levels. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the podcast. If you have been hanging on for this long, number one, I applaud you and thank you. And number two, this will be your little treat, which I think is really informative if you're in a position of leadership, whether that's inside the home or outside of the home, whether you're an individual contributor who is leading with influence or whether you are a people leader and have, you know, various size of a team. I think some of these takeaways are are really interesting to compare and contrast and consider where you might be as a leader. So we'll start quickly with leader level three. Leader level two is like pretty toxic and leader level one is just like completely terrible. So we'll start with three where you're starting to get like build a little bit of momentum, still not, you know, still a lot of kinks to work out and then probably spend some more time on leader level four and leader level five. And so uh, going through leader level three, some questions to ask yourself as far as like a checkpoint is, do others determine how you feel about you or do you determine how you feel about you? So a leader level three might be very concerned about how others feel about them and are maybe more preoccupied with being well-liked versus the quality of the decisions they might be making. The second question is, does your role at work define you or do you define it? This sort of like hits home with me because I feel like my role defines me quite a bit. Something that I'm working on getting intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation. Are you leading? Leading? I don't think you mean intrinsic versus extrinsic. Like, that's the right. Okay. Are you leaving? No, I'm in the bathroom. You mean intra versus like external or something? No, intrinsic versus extrinsic. To be clear, intrinsic motivation comes from within, while extrinsic motivation arises from external factors. When you are intrinsically motivated, you engage in an activity because you enjoy it and get personal satisfaction from doing it. When you are extrinsically motivated, you do something in order to gain an external reward. So I think level three is considering that shift from intrinsic to extrinsic. Another question is, uh, when something goes wrong, do you reflexively blame others? That one's pretty straightforward. Do you take personal stands at work? Another question is, do you agree to agree often? And can you not speak truth to power? So are you maybe like intimidated by somebody who could be more convincing or just has a larger voice? Or are you, I guess, confident enough in your position to speak truth to power, you know, standing up to a loud voice that may not be correct. Alexander is back. He has a smoothie, so hopefully we'll be a little less hangry, a little more chatty. I'll be chatty. Whiskey's wearing off. Oh, well, maybe you just need some more whiskey and not more smoothie. In class in half an hour. Yeah, it'll be lit. I bet Usha would give you mad participation points for being a tiny bit buzzed. Although she said she doesn't drink, so. No. All right. Leadership. (laughs) Going into talking about leadership level four. Major attributes. Self-defining. They are their values and principles. Concerned about goals, standards, and the way that work is done. Proactive and not react. The way they view others able to grant others autonomy and independence, concerned about others without feeling responsible for their self-esteem. I think... That one's super interesting to me. That one's super interesting to me, too. Come back, I, like half an hour. Let's uh, come back to that little bullet point. Leadership philosophy. How do I add value to the company? And bases decisions on broad view of the situation, not immediate factors. 
So let's go back to concerned about others without feeling responsible for their self-esteem. Tell me why you think that's interesting. Mm. I think there's this really tough balance of leading people and encouraging people and ensuring the morale was in the right spot, giving them positive feedback as well as opportunities to improve. You can't crush them, you know, and say, hey, hey, this was really bad, but also they need to know that it wasn't good. And you have to worry about, you know, how they feel about themselves because you do want to, you know, build them up and give them confidence. So just a lot at play there. I think it's really hard to balance. I have become, I'm changing a little bit in that I'm worried. I've told the team this, like I'm worried less about your morale and I'm more more worried about results. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't tell you you're great every day, like mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, like. You're, I think you're, like, you're doing a good job. No news is good news in some cases. Unless we're about morale, like, we got to get shit done. I think you've also done the work of building up your team and, like, building up that morale that that's maybe more self-sustaining within the team. And you have the flexibility of having that strong foundation to shift over and apply pressure on the results side of things. Yeah, I we, think should, we have to be results-focused. We can't be like, so we got to think about it. Some leaders will sacrifice results to keep morale high. Mm-hmm. Like, does that sound like a win? I, don't I think short term, it's critical to have long term results. Yes. Yeah. So it's a balance. So, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. So when you you went through some, I guess leadership stuff recently, mm-hmm. some classes. Did you talk about leadership philosophy? Have you created one yet? No. I talk a lot about how the your values are like the roots of a tree. Yeah. They use like a whole tree analogy. They don't talk about leader levels though. Mm-hmm. They don't, it's not that discreet. So do you think that in the, have they talked about in the upcoming training that you'll have about generating a leadership philosophy? I guess so. I don't know. Like a specific I'll, statement of like what your leadership philosophy is. I'll tell you Wednesday at two o'clock great one week from now Wednesday week from now Wednesday week from now so if the audience is lucky enough episode two weeks from now I'll talk about that anyway so what to listen for these are the types of language that a leader level four might use I want to achieve and make this place better You can't get bogged down in structure or rules if they hold back progress. That's something that Jenna talks about quite a bit. I'll say like in our organization where you have a lot of folks who are very compliance oriented, not to break the rules, but guidance on like it's okay to think outside of the box and reorganize ourselves to work for us, not to follow maybe like the rules that have been the rules for 30 years and don't you know, aren't necessarily as effective as they might have been at the time. That's too many rules. We can't use the word of where we work. Ah, Our current company has too many rules. (laughs) Okay. Don't ask me to compromise my own values or standards to self-respect. Oh, standards of self-respect. Assumes others operate from strongly held convictions. Also, give me autonomy to pursue broad organizational goals. That's sort of, you know, what I'm hungry for right now. is. I feel like I'm an L4 for sure. Yeah, I think I have a little bit more work to do in sort of like the confidence side of the house. Any other comments from leader level four? No. I had a conversation with Greg today. I'm talking to Greg. I'm talking to Clint. Today was exhausting. Oh, really? Yeah. What would you talk to Greg about? Ripless stuff. And he's like, he's like, I think we should be... United front on this. And I was like, I don't. Oh. <laughs> it was it was tough. It was awkward. It was good though. Like I kinda stood my ground, but Well that's some leader level four stuff right there. I don't know. I wasn't as firm as like I was when I talked to her about it, but it was definitely like I don't not on the same page as you. Yeah. Well it's good that you you said it, you know. No. So questions to ask yourself, checkpoint four, leader level four. Do you know your values and what you value at work? 
are your decisions in the best interest of your institution versus yourself? Do you take more rather than less responsibility for the people and things around you? Are you willing to challenge the status quo? I know plenty of leader level threes who challenge the status quo, though, so I don't know about that. Do you do people around you know that where you stand and what you stand for? I'd be curious. I think that's kind of like it's an interesting question, but it's a little bit vague. It is vague. What do you stand for? Yeah, I'd be curious what like if you surveyed people that I interact with on a daily basis, if what their answer would be. Yeah, I should ask that more. I think. Ask what more? Ask other people I work with, what do you think I stand for? Yeah. Hear what they say. Sort of like you don't know what you said until you ask someone what they heard you say or whatever. Yeah. I think some people would be like, oh, you're like two in the details. Mm-hmm. In some cases, like, oh, you stand for absolute like perfection. I don't know. what Not perfection, but precision. other people. Precision. Yeah. Other people would probably not say that. It'd be interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. I think it depends who it is and how I interface with them. Mm-hmm. engineering would say one thing mts would say something else ies would say something so moving on to leader level five again this goes up to five so level five would be like the top tier you know thinking of the best leaders you've probably come in encounter with they probably have a lot of these attributes or values major attributes learns deeply from successes and failures Leads from values, but open to change. Knows wisdom, requires input from others. I mean, knows wisdom. Sorry, knows that wisdom requires input from others. In order to gain wisdom, you need input from others. Self-awareness and welcomes feedback. Their view of others is, I will challenge you to succeed, but I will be there to support you. To me, this is like so much more abstract. Like, what is... Like, you're supposed to not worry about what other people think about you, but then also, like, you need feedback to grow. Like, it's kind of, like, I think some of it's valuable, but it's much more abstract than level four to me. Maybe because I am a four, and a five is like, what? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll look at the checkpoint for five, and that might be helpful. Yeah. Leadership philosophy. To strike a balance between openness and vulnerability and taking charge. What does that even mean? Yeah, that's a little vague. It's not just about us. It's about all of us. What does that even mean? So I read that specifically because I see this not work well often is it's not just about our team meeting our initiatives or whatever. It's about our team working with the other three teams and getting along well to accomplish the goal of the enterprise of the program of the same name is on all of our paychecks yeah i know so when we withhold information or we are difficult with other functions not other individuals but like actively talk about us versus them there's a lot of like behind the scenes plotting yes it's destructive finance it drives me bonkers okay so questions to ask yourself If you are wondering if you're leader level four or five, leader level five checkpoint, are you open to hearing what is new in a situation? That's pretty easy, though. What does that even mean? Are you you willing to change your opinion based on new information? I think that's not that tough, though. Yeah, but most people lack the ability to bring that information to the table. Well, that's beside the point. Because you'll say yes, but when's the last time your opinion was changed by information? You mean when somebody brought adequate data to the, t- to the table that changed the circumstance of... Well, just, no, when did anyone ever change your opinion? Just name any time, ever. I mean, I had a discussion with Jenna on Thursday that changed the way that I was going to approach something. Okay, maybe. But that was more of, like, guidance and coaching versus data. Yeah, I mean, it still counts, though, actually, I would say. But yeah. it's harder in a data situation, I think. It is. Are you willing to be open to others' values? Yes, if they're not stupid. Are you intentional in the development of others? I think that's more of like a people leader question specifically. I think it's harder to be intentional about developing others when you don't have any direct reports. Are you working towards the whole in the problem 
you are solving. So that goes back to the us versus them mentality. You have the knowledge to know you don't know as much as you should. So I think that's more about setting ego aside and knowing that maybe you're not the smartest person in the room or like being willing to discover that you're not the smartest person in the room and just, I guess, like staying humble overall. Yeah. You're shaking your head. You're like bobbing your head. These are just like, I don't know, they're just kind of vague. Like I, I don't know, maybe it's easier for me because I get it. Like I get humbled every day. And like we're in this debate today about whether OE should be counted for two machines that are a cell together as independent machines or if it should be counted as a cell. I was like, this is a fascinating conversation. Anyway. Anyway, when we were talking about it earlier, it seemed much more straightforward. And then when we read the examples, it's maybe less so. Well, anyway, I hope this was helpful in some ways as far as considering different levels of maturity as a leader or different things to consider when working with other individuals, peers, direct reports, or, you know, senior leaders. Uh, For me, it's really, I guess, opened my eyes to things that I personally need to work on. And it's showed me, I guess, given me guidance on where I should be prioritizing my energy. So I don't know. I hope that's helpful. I hope this was mildly interesting. So thank you so much. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.